It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, author Kevin McNamara, episode three of 2020. Kevin, looks as if we have a league heavyweight now exchanging blows with the top contenders thus far and tanking those punches and then dealing out a few of their own in the Seton Hall Pirates. There's no question. Right now, Seton Hall, I think, is playing better than anybody in the Big East, and all of a sudden you start to hear Final Four rumblings. You know, it's, well, re- it's honestly, really early, John. I, it, we saw them up close and personal this week, and even though it is relatively early, they have the ingredients. They have point guard play. They have shooting guard play, and one of the best in the country, Miles Powell. We've already talked about him this year. They have a big man that is ever-improving. They have forwards. They have NBA size. They've got depth. My goodness, what do they not have really should be the question. Well, and, and the one thing that jumps out at you when you actually see them is Romaro Gill. Everyone knows who he is because he played, you know, with the Pirates last year, but he really didn't play. He wasn't much of a factor. Yeah, it was like two points a game, two and a half points a game. John, I hate to compare him to, you know, great players of the past, but he had that Hashim Thabit look yeah. against the Friars. Yeah. He had eight blocks, uh, I think seven field goals, six dunks. Just overwhelming size and strength and length and length. NBA, they have NBA size as a team. You know, Jared Roden is a really improved player. Uh, uh, Samuel, a really impressive-looking freshman. Uh, they bring Obiagu off the bench. He's 7-2. And, John, you're going to have to help me with this. Sandro, is it Mamush? Mamu Kalishvili. I'm going with Mamu. Is that okay? Mamu's great. Yeah. I'm sure it's great with him, too. I think that'll be <laughs> a really key point of their season because Mamu was – he was a really productive, yeah. you know, forward. How he gets integrated back into the uh, rotation when he comes back in, you know, 10 days, uh, I think that'll really tell us an awful lot about the Pirates. Yeah, so it's exciting to see Seton Hall turn into this. But, you know, that was when one of the questions from the early play in the Big East this year, Kev, was whether or not, you know, are they really strong at the top? It's solid from top to bottom. There's no weak link. Mm-hmm. But do they have a team at the top that can be considered a heavyweight? And I think, based on what we've seen, there's 7-0 and for the first time in school history here uh, to start league play. I think we got one. You know, nine-game winning streak. It's a, it's the longest streak in the Kevin Willard era. Um, you know, six of their seven wins in the Big East have been eight points or more. Yeah. I mean, th- right now they're off to a dominant start in the league. They're, they're, they're a candidate to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and we're not discounting anybody else. That includes Villanova, Jay Wright. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we still see you out there. Conference play into week four overall. It appears there's a bit more normalcy to the proceedings overall on the court, at least if you root for the home team. Home squad took three of five last Saturday. This week, the friendly confines of the home floor claimed four of five in league play. Going Going into Marquette's challenge at Butler on Friday night with Creighton's win at DePaul on Wednesday as the outlier overall. In this week's national polls, the Big East has three teams ranked in the top 13. Number 9, Villanova. Number 10, Seton Hall. Number 13, Butler. USA Today coaches polls. Seton Hall, Nova, and Butler ranked 10th, 11th, and 12th respectively. So, uh, good balance. Yeah, and, and three at the top. You know, It looks like those three have separated themselves a little bit but yeah. you know this is a competitive league Th- these teams will lose games so to stay in the top 10 will be difficult kind of the same you know if you look around maybe 
uh, as the ACC. The ACC right now is Florida State, Louisville, and Duke in that bottom top 10 area. Well, we've already seen Duke lose some games and, and Louisville as well. So I think both of those six group of teams, you know, they'll be in the 5 to 15 range. And, uh, you know, again, in contention for top one, two, three seeds in the tournament. At midweek in the net ranking system, all 10 Big East teams are ranked in the top 80 out of the 353 Division I programs. Big East currently resides in the number two slot in the conference RPI, just behind the Big 12, just ahead of the Big 10. All right, so let's start this week out with our Big East headlines. Seton Hall held off Providence on Wednesday night at the Prudential Center in Newark to move to 7-0 and in Big East play for the first time in program history. And they win their ninth straight game overall. Pirates have also won nine straight league games dating back to last season. In that Seton Hall game against Providence, center Romaro Gill tied a career high with 17 points but also blocked eight Friar shots, as Kevin said earlier, in leading the Pirates to the win. Gill averaged barely two points per game a year ago. He's now reached double figures in six straight games for Seton Hall. Providence drops into a three-way tie for third in the Big East standings behind Villanova, tied with Creighton and Marquette after Wednesday's games. Creighton won on the road at DePaul, while Marquette grabbed a home win over St. John's before they play at Butler on Friday night. And don't look now, but Xavier got back on track, ending a three-game losing streak with a home win over Georgetown this week. A 17-1 run in the first half of that game helped put the Hoyas away. And then Creighton also put five players in double figures in their road win at DePaul. Paul Reed had his 13th double-double in the game for the Blue Demons. So, Kev, any thoughts on the play this week? Anything else stand out to you? I think what jumps out to me is Xavier. And I know we have Travis Steele coming up on the show here. Xavier at 1-4, and four, that, that's not the Xavier that anyone expected. I, mm-hmm. I think most of us thought that Xavier would be a top-five team in the Big East. And if things uh, shook out well, would make a charge at, at the top spot. Yep. Uh, so a really big bounce back win for the Musketeers. Well, once again, if you have your own questions about your team or any other team you follow, you can send them to us. Hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag T-W-I-T-B-E, TWITB. Thanks to our Westwood One affiliates for tuning in to check us out. If you're catching us on Sirius XM, we welcome you to the up-close and under-the-microscope view of the Big East Conference. And if you do the podcast thing, well, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading on iTunes or Stitcher. Google Play. Welcome to Spotify as well, our podcast partners for this season. And make sure you leave us a review if you can. We always appreciate it. You can also listen online. Catch us on BigEast.com and on WestwoodOneSports.com. This week, we'll get some insight from one player who has been around the block and pretty much seen and done it all in the Big East. Plus, a flashback from a familiar Big East name who's helped brand this league at the top of intercollegiate athletics. But leading off, a coach's job is never done, today or any day at this time of year. And a look into fighting the daily fight within the Big East, against the Big East, as Xavier's Travis Steele joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom. Where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves. Where passion meets purpose. Where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at xavier.edu. Big East Spotlight. 
Marshall for three, and he got it to fall from 23 feet away. There's another timeout call for Red Cooley. Just an offensive juggernaut right now for the Musketeers. The Xavier Musketeers have a size and strength factor to this year's team that few teams can match on a night-in and night-out basis in the Big East, which means certainly being competitive. But to start off league play, Xavier had found some tough sledding while trying to navigate the peaks and valleys of this frosty landscape after having some solid non-league success. Head coach Travis Steele joins us this week in the Big East. Uh, coach, the early successes were there for you guys. We know you had wins over like Missouri, UConn, Cincinnati. You won one on the road to TCU. What's the process been like trying to replicate that success over the past couple of weeks in the Big East? You know, number one, the Big East is the best conference in the entire country. I don't even think it's even close. And every game's hard. You know, every game's going to be close. Anybody can beat anybody in you know, for us, like sometimes you get lost. You gotta always play to your identity. And you know, for us, you know, our identity is very simple. We want to play a smash mouth basketball style on both ends of the floor. You know, we have to be a really, really good defensive team, and then we have to be a team that's going to play inside out, play through our post, and play on drives, and then we'll shoot some threes. So I think we got back to our identity against uh, Georgetown for the first time in a while. You know, we got to continue to play that way to have some success in this league. You know, it's uh, interesting you say the smash mouth style. There's a few teams like you in the league. Uh, Providence jumps off, you know, a little bit like that. Uh, certainly Seton Hall with the way they've been defending. How tough is it to grind out wins right now when defense is your calling card? You know, you're at, I think you were uh, giving up about 66 point, points a game, and it seems like everyone in the league is, is pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, there, there's a lot of good coaches in our league. There's some tremendous players. Um, every every night is gonna is gonna pose different challenges. You know, like when you play Seton Hall, you gotta deal with Miles Powell. When you play Marquette, you gotta deal with Marcus Howard, Butler, Kamar Baldwin. Um, you know, you're at seven at, at at Georgetown. So, you know, every night's gonna be different. And and I think the biggest thing is is and I tell our guys this all the time. It's like you can't attach your de- our defense to our offense. We're gonna go through some shooting slumps. It's gonna happen. And, but our effort, our intensity, um, it has to be there every single night. And there's going to be a ton of close games. It's just the way this league is because every team's good and every team's well coached. So, you know, we have to thrive in those moments in close games and, and uh, be able to execute down the stretch. Xavier head coach Travis Steele joining us this week in the Big East. And yet, on top of all this, Travis, this this darn league and these TV people are going to make you do something that, you know, some coaches just shudder at the thought of, which is doing the Fox College Hoops all-access program this weekend with your game against uh, Creighton uh, in Omaha. So how do you change yourself knowing that the TV cameras and all the microphones are going to be on you and everything is going to get picked up? Well, I think number one, you got to deal with our players. And I told our guys this the other day in the locker room. I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be the exact same. I'm not changing one bit because I cannot throw our team off at all. Mm-hmm. I think that that's where it starts, you know. And, and uh, you know, and again, I, I, it's a great opportunity for our program. I mean, it's, it's a neat uh, way to kind of give our fans a different view of, of our team, of the way we run things. Uh, it's almost like they get to be on our bench, right? It's like they're on our team uh, in a lot of ways. So uh, I think it's a cool, it's pretty cool for that. I think it can also help with recruiting as well. So you know, we're excited to uh, to do it, and I'm gonna be the exact same as I am game to game. I'm not gonna change one bit. 
<laughs> well, do you have to change game calls because of scouting, or what do you have to be careful with? You know, that, that is a concern, you know, because obviously, you know, like every call will be given, uh, you know, throughout the game. But, you know, I always say this in basketball, man. It's, it's, I, I don't really care if our opponent knows what's coming. It's about us executing, right? Yeah. It's about us doing, you know, being able to execute our way out of trouble. And it's the little details that make the plays work. It's just a unique opportunity, I think, to provide an insight that the average fan really does not get the chance to experience, to know what goes on in a huddle, to know how you explain things. And this is a good chance, in fact, if you have any detractors, and of course we know you don't, but if you had any detractors, you get a chance to show your teaching skills. It's, it's pretty neat. You know, really is. And they get to go even in-depth into, obviously, the huddles, like you said, but some of the halftime uh, adjustments that are going on and what we're saying to our team and what Coach McDermott will be saying to his team. Um, you know, again, it, it's a uh, it's an all-access deal. And I, Fox had a great idea with this, and it's been a big hit. So, you know, the, the TV rating spiked up last year for it, and uh, we're excited to be a part of it. I believe it's the third year, and I know that the first two years the coaches all really enjoyed it, and Fox obviously loves it. Uh, a couple questions about your team, Travis. Uh, obviously built around the experience of a of a Quentin Gooden and a Najee Marshall and a Tyreek Jones, but I'm sorry, you might have the all-name uh, leader right now in Kai Kai Tandy, your, your freshman, and sure enough, he, he, he he's showing showing up here right down the stretch uh, with a big game, you know, just this week. Talk about his progress a little bit. Yeah, you know, he, he's a freshman. He's from the state of Kentucky, and, you know, he got injured, and he basically didn't play 90% of the non-conference. And, you know, for a freshman, it's hard anyway just to get acclimated and get comfortable out there on the floor. But he was put behind eight boys and that much more just with being out through injury. Um, you know, so he didn't have the opportunity to play against some of the major teams on our conference, on our schedule. So, you know, he, he is a kid that can, he's a game changer for us. He's just very dynamic. He can score the ball and really shoot the ball. He's quick as lightning. He's got unlimited range. Um, he gives us something that our team does not have in needs. So I think if you're going to see throughout the Big East as the season goes on, I think you're going to continue to see him sprout even more. And yet you changed your starting lineup just a smidge before the Georgetown game this week to try to give yourself a little bit of a jolt because I'm assuming you felt like you needed it, getting a little complacent uh, on, uh, on offense in particular. Did it work for you? You know, I thought it did. You know, I told our guys after the Marquette game when we got back uh, to our arena in the locker room, I said, hey, fellas, we're going back to our core. And it is going to be, you know, our, pra- our our program is centered around competition. Our program is centered around practice. You earn your minutes of practice, and we have what we call the Xavier Way, which is a formula that basically grades out each player through practice. And I told those guys, I said, I'm going to start the, the top five guys, whoever it is. It could be five big men. It could be five guards. I really didn't care. And I said, we'll figure it out. Um, and those are the top five guys. You know, Jason Carter, Zach Fremantle, Tyree Jones, and uh, Najee Marshall and Paul Scruggs. So we played with three big guys. Um, but we made it work. And I thought it gave us an, an edge, a toughness on the glass and inside on, on offense. That's probably made some really interesting practices, right. John. Uh, uh, last one. Uh, Najee Marshall, obviously one of the better players in the league. How has his game taken to a different level this year? Yeah, I think he's scoring the ball. He's playing a little bit slower. Um, you know, obviously he's a tremendous uh, defender. Uh, he can guard any position on the floor. But I think he's been a really good chance to score. You know, that probably wasn't his calling card. Um, coming out of high school or even 
obviously early on in the last year, I thought he struggled with it early on in the year. Um, I thought he got better as the year wore on uh, as far as being kind of a scorer for us, and I think he's really done a nice job in that area. You know, he's a guy that can go get us a bucket, whether it's in the post or, or in the mid-range, or, you know, he's shooting 33 from 30 right now, you know, and uh, you know, he's got to continue to make great decisions with the ball. And if he does that, man, I think he's going to have, you know, he's going to be one of the best players, obviously, in this conference and in the entire country. That's Xavier head coach Travis Steele. Next up, who's hot? Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American development model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Who's hot? Moore uses a read screen and bounces left, gives up high read, fakes a three, puts it on the floor. Euro step to the right, scoop left, banks it home. As pretty of a move as we'll ever see from Paul Reed. Banks in the layup, he's got 23 points. DePaul is up by 19. Hey, back out to Marshall, he dribbles it down the lane, gets to the rim. Monster two-hand, sledgehammer slam by Marshall. Xavier's pulled within two. Dribbles out the clock, shoots a three, that's no good. Listen to the crowd at Wintrust Arena. It's DePaul's biggest win in years. The Blue Demons upset number five Butler, 79 to 66. The first time the Blue Demons have beaten a top 10 team since 2006. What a win for DePaul. As time expires, Villanova has won their 10th game in the last 11 outings, and Villanova's non-conference win today over UConn is the Big East Conference's 21st straight victory over non-conference opponents. Villanova's playing some big-time basketball, and so is the entire Big East Conference. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Let's start with the Player of the Week, Marcus Howard Marquette. Stop me, Kevin. Where have you heard that one before? He's going to have a really busy trophy <laughs> shelf, isn't he? The, the, the Big East, they must... Can you imagine the tchotchkes that he's got on the shelf at home or in his dorm room or wherever he is? He must get this Amazon delivery every day. <laughs> oh, it's another award. Kind of reminds me of a SpongeBob episode. <laughs> you, you had that problem when you were young, right, John? Oh, no. <laughs> Too many no. awards. No, I didn't have that problem. Uh, Marcus averaged 38.5 points, three rebounds, three assists, helping the Golden Eagles to wins over Xavier and at Georgetown in the past week. Big East Freshman of the Week, Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova. We talked a little about him last week with Jay Wright here on the program. Uh, 12.5 points and 10 rebounds. Great anytime you can average a double-double, especially as a freshman. 13-13 and 13 against DePaul later in the week. Uh, I think Jay Wright said he might be not their most important player, but maybe their most valuable because of his size. On the honor roll, yeah, it again is an all-star honor roll this week in the league. We start with Tyshawn Alexander from Creighton. Uh, Blue Jays in a one-on-one week last week, 19 points, four rebounds, and two-and-a-half assists. Uh, he did have 24 points, including five straight late as Creighton held off a uh, – Providence Challenge uh, in Omaha uh, a week ago. Paul Reed from DePaul, 23 points, 8 of 9 shooting, 
Nine rebounds in a win over Butler. 18 points, 15 boards in a loss at Villanova. Loss at home against Creighton. Another double-double as well. So Paul Reed is somebody we talked about and identified very early in the process as being maybe one of the best pro-ready guys the league has. Paul Reed is a go-to double-double guy. And as long as he continues to shoot the ball from the 15-foot range, he has that NBA look about him. This league is blessed, I think, with unbelievable talent in the post this year as well. And I'm not sure that it didn't develop a little bit later. But in addition to Reed, Omer Yurt 7 from Georgetown. Yurt 7 made the honor roll this week. 21 points and 12 rebounds in a one and one week for the Hoyas. Well, keep going. You know, Romaro Gill, we've mentioned him already off the top. You know, maybe the top, you know, rising big guy in the league. There's quite a few, and uh, some of these big guys are that NBA big guy because they can step out and shoot the ball as well, like your seven, Ken. Yeah, and I saw a move last, uh, let's see, on Wednesday night, I saw a move from Providence's Nate Watson in the post that we hadn't seen him do in a couple of years' time. There's unbelievable quickness there, and when he really applies himself, he can be a devastating offensive force. I think one-on-one, he is the best interior offensive player in the league, but guess what? Other coaches know that. There's yeah. not a lot of one-on-one why he's, for Nate Watson. Yeah, he sees a lot of double teams in the post, no question. And speaking of Providence, David Duke had a career-high 36 in a loss at Creighton in a one-on-one week for the Friars. but averaged 21.5 points, five rebounds, three-and-a-half steals, and three assists. David Duke is going to be one of the league's stars if he's not already in the next year or two. One of the, certainly one of the best young players in the league. I, it's amazing that he's not uh, one of the finalists for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year because – I think he's probably a better defensive player than an offensive player right now anyways, but to see him explode for 36 uh, points is a glimpse of the future. And we led off with the player of the week in Marcus Howard, and we end with the honor roll and Miles Powell, who could very well be the player of the year, not only in the Big East, but maybe even in the country in a perfect week again for the Seton Hall Pirates. He had 29 at Butler. The Friars kept him in check pretty much, but he had a lot of help from his friends on Wednesday night. Well, imagine, uh, you know, you beat a really – tough Providence team by nine and your All-American has three baskets. Uh, Powell was only three for six, but you know, hats off to Miles Powell. 2,000 points. John, it is so rare to have someone score 2,000 plus in college basketball these days, because guess what? If you can score 2,000, you can probably play in the NBA and you don't last four years. And it's all but impossible to do that in three. So uh, just a great achievement. 2,000 points is an extra special level. should also mention that speaking of Seton Hall, just noticed the other day, they've only played nine home games this year. So they've done what they've done by playing a lot of games outside the friendly confines of the Rock. And boy, they have some really good home games the rest of the way. Xavier, Creighton, Butler, Villanova, among them, get your tickets now down there in uh, New Jersey. There won't be many. Yeah, they had a tough one with Providence on Wednesday. And speaking of the Friars, they had a tough out-of-league slate this year. They just simply didn't perform up to their own expectations or standards early, or maybe even the fan standards either. But with one of those older, more experienced squads this season, they've jumped right back into postseason conversation thanks to a been-there-done-that attitude, along with a little bit of international flavor. PC's All-Big East forward Alpha Diallo joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. 
With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at providence.edu. Big East Focus. Diallo bobbles it, goes up with it, and scores! Count it! He's fouled from behind! You know, Diallo, you got to love him. I mean, in one moment he's throwing the ball away, and that one there he gets the loose ball in traffic, catches it, takes it up strong, and gets fouled for the deuce. Three-point play the old-fashioned way. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Providence has been one of the league's enigmas this season, if anything else. Experienced rosters, solid athletes, little in the way of results before conference play began with the exception of a win over Texas. Kev, you able to put your finger on why the Friars started out so slowly this season? Well, Providence is one of the few teams in the league, John, who really doesn't have a pure point guard. And that's really saddled their offense with some cold stretches, uh, one of the worst offensive teams, one of the worst shooting teams in the league, really two years in a row now. And this really puts an awful lot of pressure on Diallo, uh, who ends up, you know, he, he's a six foot seven, you know, playmaker is really mm-hmm. what he's asked to do. That That's not a natural point guard, as simple as that. So he, his turnover uh, problems certainly can hurt the Friars at times. But to his credit, against the bigger teams, he's the one who's producing uh, because he does have the ball in his hands an awful lot. And he produced on Wednesday in that tough uh, game they had with Seton Hall. Earlier this week during our travels, I caught up with senior forward Alpha Diallo, who has been a consistent double-double contributor over his nearly four full seasons at Providence. Alpha says playing in the Big East has taught him some valuable lessons. It's taught me how to be gritty. It's taught me how to be a student athlete, um, which means managing your books while also trying to perform at the highest level. Um, And then it's brought different people around me that I wouldn't have known uh, from all over the world. And some became my brothers, and and those are the people I go to war with every night. Let's talk a little bit about that. uh, the people that surrounded you. You had a unique opportunity this summer. The Big East Conference had a unique opportunity this summer uh, to represent the United States at the Pan American Games. What was that experience like, and what was it like being a leader on a team that was competing at a global level? It was an unbelievable experience. Uh, just to represent the United States of America, it was a humbling but unbelievable experience at the same time because it taught us um, bigger than basketball. Uh, we went out there and we were representing a whole country. So um, we definitely had to bring out a game. We, we prepared and uh, we went out there and played well. Um, it was conformed with a, a lot of different types of guys and I feel like we did what we had to do. What was the hardest part about that entire experience for you? I know that uh, there are some stories going around about uh, uh, you guys in some uh, uh, Spartan circumstances in Peru in particular, but that had to be a learning experience for everybody. Did it help you appreciate maybe what you have every day? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, going into Peru was a third world country, so um, it was just different. Uh uh, everything was a lot smaller and stuff like that, so it was just an uh, adjustment period, and it definitely gained. Uh, we definitely gained uh, appreciation for what we do have in the states. And yet, you actually get a chance to bond and get closer with some of the guys that you're going to battle with every night in the Big East Conference. Guys like Miles Powell, guys like Tyshawn Alexander. I mean, these guys that uh, you're battling up against. What's it like to be? their friend, their teammate, their compadre, and then have to turn right around and be their enemy again. 
Uh, the bomb was great when it ha- while it lasted, but uh, as soon as Pan Americans was done, the season started, all that went out the window. So we're back to being foes. But um, those are great players. Uh, they played their heart outs uh, as well as I did. So it was great to just team up with those dudes and we just get to know them and some of their personalities. Yeah. So now you kind of have to turn it around a little bit. You can take some of that experience, I assume, from having been a leader and you've been a leader at Providence now for going into your fourth year. What would you say you've learned most from your freshman year at Providence to what you know now as a senior in terms of how you play and how you can improve your game? Um, I continue to stay in the gym. Um, our coaching staff does a great job of pinpointing things that you need to work on, um, whether it's through film or analytics and through looking at numbers on what you need to get better at. So um, they do a great job of notice, notifying you about those mm-hmm. things and then making a plan for you to work on those. And I think um, that's why we have some of the best staff in the country. Are you an analytics guy in particular? Uh, not too much, but uh, numbers don't lie, they say, so you got to go with them. Well, the, the numbers have been pretty strong for you. I mean, you've basically been a double-double machine, you know, gradually moving to almost a consistent level in your junior and senior years. So what's the secret as someone who's six foot seven, going up against guys who are three, four, five, even half a foot taller than you, what's the secret in being a good rebounder? I think for me it's just timing and how hungry you want it. Um, it's you and the guy boxing you out. One of you guys are going to get the rebound, and just you just try to come out on top with the rebound. So I think um, it's just a one-on-one battle, um, and you just try to win them every time. So it's a clash of wills almost, you would say? In other words, do you want it more than the other guy? I think so. Yeah? That's a little bit of that, and then um, maybe some of this wingspan helps also. Well, we know that wingspan definitely pays off because when you get guys back there that are rim protectors, right, and, and can block shots, those are the guys that can also go out and get those rebounds as well. How do you actually compete against someone who has that wingspan against you and who has the size and the reach and the length against you? What makes it easy for you? Do you know a way to, to get inside them, to get around them? How do you maneuver around them in particular in order to be able to compete and get those balls? I think it's a big key to when you play against a shot blocker to get to their body. Um, once your body is in between you and the ball, then it's harder for them to block the ball or just a consistent pump fake to get them in the air and maybe draw a foul or something like that. So I think just those two things really help. We're all familiar with you know slam dunks and three-point shots, but you can also score by going to the free throw line, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Alpha Diallo Fryer Sr., Providence College Sr., with us here this week in the Big East. So this season didn't start out the way that I know that you guys wanted it to at Providence, and yet once the conference season started, things kind of turned around. What flipped the switch for you guys, do you think? Uh, I think we just had to grow into each other. Um, We got a great group of guys, and we just had to learn what each other's facets of the game was. Um, And then our chemistry just grew. And I feel like it grew at the right time, and um, now we're starting to click for sure. Yeah, you guys have a little bit more of an experienced team over the last couple of years. Uh, there's everybody in this league has some experience, but you guys have that, having gone through the, the battles, the night in and night out, the trips. You know, as we speak now, we're on a road trip together as well. So I, I'm wondering if that has helped you relax in situations that can be even somewhat stressful. Yeah, definitely. Um, I learned from the veterans from 
before me. Um, those guys did it great, and they led by example. Uh, when we were on road trips, uh, the way they took care of their bodies, their eating habits, and the, all of that, I feel like, goes into play when you want to perform at a high level. All right. One more for you. As you go through your last go-round through the league, who have you appreciated, not liked, not disliked, but who have you appreciated going up against in terms of other players in this league? I've appreciated going against all, all the top players on each team because they all bring a certain level of tenacity and will to, um, to their team and just competing with those guys and just the team's period uh, I think is great. Is there a favorite spot for you that you like to go visit or that you look forward to going and play at? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> I haven't thought about that one yet. Maybe Madison Square Garden? I love that place. Yeah, that's a great place to play at. Thanks to Providence's Alpha Diallo. Friars will get another big chance to improve their resume by entertaining a top 10 team at home Saturday as Villanova enters the infamous dunk game that will be broadcast nationally on Westwood One. Some big-time Big East memories with one of the league's architects and casting an eye toward the future and what's yet to come with former Big East Commissioner Mike Trangisi. Next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. At Creighton University, students have more opportunities. With nationally recognized undergraduate, graduate, and professional programs, students engage in research, internships, gain clinical experience, serve others, and much more. At Creighton, students experience a transformative education guided by Jesuit Catholic values that prepares Creighton Blue Jays for lifelong success. Become a Blue Jay today at Creighton.edu. The National Perspective. Brought back for Ewing. Georgetown by two. And the foul two. Halfway through overtime. Off for Ewing. Seven-point Hoya Lee. They're on their way to the title. Well-deserved standing ovation for the tournament MVP, Patrick Ewing. All smiles with his coach. Congratulations to the Hoyas of Georgetown, the 1984 Big East champions in overtime. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. Do you have a favorite moment or memory from Big East play over the past 40 years? Hard to believe it's been that long. Maybe we've been spoiled a little bit by the players and the coaches who have come through this league. And one set of eyes which has pretty much seen it all still keeps his attention focused on the play, on these teams, and how the Big East should fit in to 21st century college athletics. Former Commissioner Mike Trangizi joins us this week in the Big East. Mike, I'm sure it's tough for you, but when you look back over 40 years of unbelievable moments on the floor, what still stands out to you today? Well, John, for me, uh, I think the best game I ever saw played in the Big East was the, uh, was the 84 Big East Finals uh, at Madison Square Garden between Georgetown and, and Syracuse, which went into overtime. You know, so many great players. I mean, there's Patrick Ewing and the excitement of Pearl Washington who brought uh, magic to the Garden. And, and that's remained my favorite game. You know, there's been just so many, so many uh, unbelievable moments, but that one has always uh, stood out to me. Because prior to the formation of the Big East, everybody was in what was called the ECAC, which really had... Uh, so many schools in it, and there, and and there was little formality to it. Plus, uh, it wasn't it wasn't viewed very highly nationally, and the East was largely ignored then. Then all of a sudden, the Big East comes on board. I mean, 
you know, I wish Dave were here to see this, but it's gone beyond anything I anything he ever thought it was going to be or I thought it was going to be. Um, so I, I sit back and, and just enjoy it. And, you know, my, my attitude is it just provided so many opportunities for players, and it's, it's just brought so much fun to fans. Mike, Commissioner Val Ackerman uh, frequently mentions Dave uh, and Dave's memory by name. And I, I wonder what do you think Dave would think of today's Big East, which Val likes to say is, is kind of Dave's original idea, basketball schools with a basketball focus. Kevin, you know, I, it's, it's funny you ask me that because about a, a week ago I had a friend ask me the same question. And I think he was taken aback a little bit by my answer. And I said, you know, truthfully, Dave's, if Dave were here and you asked him that question, he would tell you what he's most pleased about is, is that Providence College has found a home. I mean, Dave loved the Big East. He should. He founded it. But his true love affair was with the college. He loved the college. He worked there. And, and it had a special place in his heart. And, and I think what would give him great joy right now is to, is to see that the college was in a really, really good league that, that that gives Providence as well as the others a chance to compete at the highest level. Yeah, and then the other teams that came along, at least at the initial stage of the Big East, I think quite quickly had to realize what they had here. And this is where some of the amazing part of, especially those early years of the Big East, really come into play. I mean, I wasn't even in the East at that time. I was working in the NBA when you guys were just getting going, and frankly, everybody had taken notice of what you guys had accomplished. Yeah, it happened pretty quickly, John. Um, you know, I think one of the things I was proud of is that it, 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 when you have success like that, you can get you can get sort of full of yourself. And one of the things Dave always used to tell us is it, 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 our rise was so quick that it was very easy to fall back and that you had to pay attention at all times and you had to compete and you had to make certain that our teams had good coaches because it's very cyclical, because we weren't the only good league. There were a lot of other good leagues, obviously, out there. But it's, uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a uh, uh, beyond belief uh, uh, success story. Mike, there's so many you know, particular players who have taken this league uh, on a great ride and, and to a higher level. But the number one guy and the first big star was Patrick Ewing. And imagine, you know, 35 years later, Patrick is still involved with the Big East uh, and doing a good job at Georgetown, getting the Hoyas pointed in the right direction. Uh, can you just speak to you know Patrick's long association with the league, and and could you ever imagine being a coach? Well, I think Patrick Ewing is is a perfect example of what's great about college athletics. I mean, when Patrick uh, uh, got out of Cambridge, Virginia, Latin, and went to Georgetown, I mean, he he. Had, He'd only been in this country for a few years, having come from Jamaica, and uh, you know, and people questioned his ability. I mean, people pushed and pushed on John Thompson as to why someone like Patrick would be at Georgetown. But you see how far Patrick has come personally. Every time I see Patrick, I he brings a smile to my face because it just uh, it just shows how much good college athletics could be. In fact, the last time I saw Patrick, I told him a story that he had never heard. Uh, the day that Patrick Ewing committed to Georgetown, John Thompson called. He called the office to tell Dave that Patrick was coming to uh, Georgetown. And about 10 minutes later, Dave called me in the office and told me, and he said, uh, we're going to New York. And I said, what are we going to New York for? So we're <laughs> going to go sit with Sonny Werblin 
and uh, and Frank McGuire at Madison Square Garden. He says, now the Patrick's here, and we've got other good players who happen to be Chris Mullen and Eddie Pickney. Uh, he said that we're ready to take our tournament to the to the big show, which was Madison Square Garden. They certainly were. Uh, Mike, I, I'm curious, in today's day and age, some players like a Chris Mullen and a uh, Patrick Ewing wouldn't be in college very long. They, they, they were that special, that talented. In a couple of years, there's a chance that the NBA changes its draft rules and can draft high school kids straight out of high school. Uh, I'm curious, and we that, we had that maybe 15 years ago, and it affected college basketball in a particular way. I'm curious what you think that will do when it goes back into effect to the college game. Well, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of one and done. I just think it's uh, it, it just sends the wrong message. I mean, people sometimes get cynical, but, you know, these schools are educational institutions, and I just don't see uh, if a player is good enough and he wants to go, he ought to go. Our game will be fine. Um, I mean, you don't have Patrick Ewings and Pearl Washingtons and Chris Mullins anymore because those those players were, were, were there for four years. And, when, and, and, and back when they started to, to, to allow kids to leave early, everybody talked about the demise of, college basketball and that's not happened uh i think the beauty of college basketball is the name is the name on the front of the jersey and not the back of the jersey and i think fans will continue to uh to support college basketball and i I think i think if a kid's good enough to go coming out of directly out of high school he ought to go but candidly there aren't that many that are that, that are in that position um and uh when when they created the one and done, everybody thinks that they were doing it to help the college game. And all due respect, that was that was a colossal folly. I mean, the NBA put that in because they, there are too many teams were taking kids out of high school who couldn't play, and they were investing a lot of money. It enabled those kids to come to the college game and play. They were able to evaluate these kids, these players, against real top-notch co- competition, and it gave them a, a better ability to make. A, a, a correct business decision, but you know, if I'm all for the I'm all for the young people, if they can, if, if someone can get a chance to go to the NBA and that's what they want to do, and not everybody wants to go to college, and nor, nor should they have to. Mike, we'd be remiss uh, with the final one here if we didn't ask you your thoughts on what you've seen unfold already in in 2020 thus far, and, and the play on the floor of a uh, of a team like Seton Hall this year. Or, or who stood out to you in terms of their performance, uh, whether it's a, a coach, a player, a team? Uh, what's caught your attention? Well, I don't think there are any great teams, John. It, it sort of reminds me of 2010, when I didn't think there were any great teams that year, and completely out of the woodwork came Connecticut, and they won the national championship with Kemba. I just think somebody's coming out of the woodwork this year because the so-called, you know, the powers to be, uh, the, the Kentuckys and the Kansases and the Dukes, who relies so heavily on the one and done? I just don't think the players that have come into the uh, into the game this year mm-hmm. are, are quite as good as some of those players that we've seen in the past. Obviously, last year Duke had Zion, and they still didn't win. Yeah. Uh, I just think somebody. I think there's a lot of people who can win. I mean, within the Big East, I think I, I, I'm really impressed with Seton Hall. I just think they're uh, they've got they've got a lot of answers. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Kevin's team make a real run this year. That's former Big East Commissioner Mike Trangisi. 
still as plugged in as he ever was. Who's got next? The big games coming up. The biggest matchups on the horizon are next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Good things happen when there's a Butler Bulldog in the room. Thoughts turn into action. Ideas are elevated. And the potential of others is reached. Butler University students have an appetite for making an impact. And as a school devoted to hands-on experiential learning, you'll be making your impact sooner than you think. Because we aren't just dreamers, we're doers. And when you unleash a Butler Bulldog, good things happen. It all starts at butler.edu. Who's got next this week in the Big East? Or at the foul line. Moore spinning all the way to the rim. Layup is good, and he's in double figures. Five Villanova players in double figures, and the Cats lead by 15 with 2.45 to go. Timeout, Butler. You gotta love it. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. Saturday slate features Villanova stepping into the Friars' den at the Dunkin' Donuts Center for an always entertaining tussle with Providence. And again, as we mentioned earlier, it's a game that will be broadcast nationally on Westwood One. While St. John's also visits DePaul in a Sunday matchup in Omaha with Xavier, paying a visit to Creighton. Any thoughts? Well, two teams that need to win. It's as simple as that. DePaul came into the Big East uh conference season really in good shape and, and are off to a bad start it's as simple as that DePaul's got to get up off the mat at one and five they have a chance you know with St. John's and then Providence we've talked about Providence's non-conference struggles for a couple weeks now they need to get to at least double figures maybe even 11 plus yep. Big East wins um, the Friars this is their third straight game playing a nationally ranked team but this one's at home yep and they got to get it well, the schedule next week splits into two for Tuesday and then another two for on Wednesday. Butler goes to Georgetown. Nova goes to the Garden to face St. John's. Wednesday, DePaul tries Seton Hall in Newark. Well, Marquette plays at Xavier. And then the home team update overall, in case you were wondering, now 21-12 and 12 against the road team through the first four weeks going into the Friday night game, Marquette at Butler. So does this seem a little bit more normal to you now that home teams are starting to flex the home muscle? It does, but I'm not buying, John. These teams are too even. There's still so many games that come down to certainly the last minute, if not the last possession, which really is great for the fans, but it just shows these teams are in position to win uh, on the road, which is really impressive. Makes winning on the road even more uh, impactful, shall we say? Yeah, and you know, we, just about those top 10 teams, the teams that want to stay in position for really good seeds, Seton Hall, Villanova, Butler, they have to win on the road, and it's really hard to do in this league. Our thanks this week to Xavier's Travis Steele, Providence's Alpha Diallo, and former Big East Commissioner Mike Trangisi for joining us. Thanks go out to our flagship radio stations from Seton Hall, Xavier, and Providence for their assistance this week. Thanks to our producer Kevin Collins, associate producer Matt Morell, and thanks to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter. I'm at JR Broadcaster. He's at Kevin McNamara33. Be sure to use the hashtag TWITBE, T W I T B E. If you've got questions or you just want to chat some hoop, we'll be here again same time next week for this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall. 
Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.